you know, cool. Driver! Hello and welcome again to the Interstate Wrestling Podcast, the wrestling fan podcast that's brought to you from two states, the love and adoration of wrestling. I'm your co-host James, joined by my brother from another mother, my tag team partner, the one and only Mr. Josh Mordecai. How are you doing, sir? I am doing all right. How are you? Glad to be uh, planning to nerd out on some wrestling again, which I think is a tagline we need to stick with, right? It's it just this complete wrestling nerdism. It seems like it, yeah. We got that finding joy in wrestling, but I feel like nerding out is kind of winning the race on that. <laughs> <laughs> Falling down that said rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> and we are, uh, we're here into episode two, so we're already twice as old as we were the last time we chatted, right? There you go, right? That's that, uh, they might be giants. Older than I've ever been, and now I'm even older, and now I'm older still. <laughs> um... <laughs> You know, so obviously we spent the last episode just sort of setting the foundations, didn't we, of mm-hmm. why we're wrestling fans and wrestling, and it's quite a quite a stroll there. You, your your 30-year journey of of loving it, and it's it's meant a lot to me, honestly, falling back in love with it, you know, sort of becoming a fan. And, and I was just kind of thinking since we last spoke about the consumption of wrestling, and, and just even thinking this week, the amount of wrestling that is on weekly TV now, like if you sat down and watched the three hours of Raw, mm-hmm. the two hours of SmackDown, mm-hmm. the two hours of NXT, the two hours of Dynamite, the two or three hours or whatever it is of Dark, yeah. the Impact show. Yeah. You catch ROH, you got MLW, like stuff popping up on YouTube too. Yeah. It's a part-time job territory to keep up on everything, right? That seems to be pretty ace for the state of wrestling, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because you have so much, like, no matter kind of what flavor of ice cream you're into, to use a very old analogy for it, like, it's there for you. But at the same time, sometimes you pop open IWTV and you're kind of paralyzed by choice, right? You see, you have so many options and there's so many things you want to see and you want to keep up with these... Uh, these wrestlers that you've kind of grown to love and you've kind of built this fandom of, but at the same time you want to like keep an eye out for new people that you're going to build that for. I ended up watching, I don't know, a, a mesh from a raw in 1994. Like I talked about last time, right. because you, you kind of know that's going to be something comfortable that you can lock into for the moment. So it's an embarrassment of riches, as we like to say right now in, in pro wrestling fandom. It is an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? What are you uh, what are you tuning into most in that plethora of uh, that smorgasbord of choice at the moment? Yeah, I, I'll throw on. It takes me a few days to watch an IWTV show because they're two and a half, three hours long. And I have it's like when I read books, I have like three or four going at a time. Um, so it really kind of depends on what I'm feeling. Sometimes I'll throw on some uh, some deathmatch stuff. Sometimes I'll throw on Kemp uh, Leapfrog right now. Is super fun for that kind of cartoony lucha stuff. Sometimes I'll just throw on NXT because I have some time. So it's just kind of whatever I'm feeling in the moment is what I kind of put on um, right now, just because there is so much to 
kind of troll through. Beyond is an old favorite to kind of go back into yeah. and kind of pick up randomly. How about you? What are you going to mostly right now? Picking up Dynamite pretty consistently weekly. Um, try to catch some of the dark, but um, there's so much. I mean, I, th- I think this... This this most recent dark had like fifteen matches. Oh yeah, which I, I'm kind of digging because it's a for, for me again on this sort of I, I'm going to switch my tagline for myself relapsed end of it. Not you know it's not quite so lapsed anymore, is it? Because I am uh, as my as my dear wife will attest to uh, uh, the house is just completely wrestling all of the time now. <laughs> um, so I guess it's a relapse state, but this you know I, it's it's a nice hybrid of the indies me the AEW main roster mm-hmm. uh, showcasing talent that they're either trialing. So I, I, I dig dark, but similar to what you just said about IWTV stuff, I kind of catch that on the fly throughout the course of the week. Yeah. Uh, hodgepodge here in there. I do love the NXT product. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think just to touch on this uh, for a second, and obviously, you know, this will contextualize when we're recording this episode, which would otherwise be, you know, more evergreen, but the, uh, the NXT takeover was this past weekend, the vengeance show. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I, I I don't think I've ever seen a bad takeover pay per view. They just put such a good show together, and the, the weekly is good as well, isn't it? it it's compelling. So yeah, I, I'd say if you have to pin me down, most consistently dynamite, and then sort of jumping around all over the place. I did uh, I have been picking up a little bit of the impact stuff, which we'll uh, we'll get into as we as we get into the main body of this uh, of this topic tonight, right? With all of the uh, the crossover that's happening, and again, I won't go too far down that path because uh, we'll get to it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it, it, it did. I was just. Uh, I I think I was sat watching Dynamite last night, and I was just like, shit. Like there's there's fifteen, sixteen, eighteen hours of weekly TV. Like yeah, it's kind of impressive. It's it, it is a great time for you know being in the state of being a fan of wrestling, isn't it? You know. Oh yeah. Like I said, so many different options of whatever you're into, there's something out there for you right now. Yeah. So we obviously just teased a little bit there, the thoughts uh, and topic for, for the conversation uh, tonight, didn't we? Which uh, the reflections of wrestling in 2020, which has been, uh, or our guest technically, we should say last year, the, the year that shall remain nameless at this point, because it was a complete shithole, right? <laughs> reflections of the last year and, and, and 2021. So uh, how about we dive down that rabbit hole and structure this conversation and uh, get into our nerd out phase? Hell yeah, that's what we're here for. So, the year that shall remain nameless and and wrestling. I mean, probably a good place to start with with, with reflections and. Uh, I think as we highlighted last week, just trying to set the foundations of us being fans, there, there's so much surface to scratch, I guess, is, is what I want to say. There's, there's so much meat to cover here, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 2020, the, the year that shall remain nameless, last year, whatever we want to call it. How does that sort of structure for you as a fan? Like, you know, with everything that went on, there, we'll get into standout moments, standout events, standout matches. But if you had to sort of describe a sentence for last year in wrestling, where would you go? Yeah, I mean, I got I got a little notebook here. I did what we call show prep to get ready for tonight, so I got some thoughts going. Jesus, it's a good job one of us is a professional, isn't it? <laughs> like, you you sink enough time into this, and there's some things that bubble up over the week, you know? <laughs> the, the phrase I have written in here is, that was a lost year with new opportunities. So it's kind of how I, I mean, just kind of in general, 
how 2021 feels to me. Um, but definitely in wrestling, similarly, there was so much time where it was, what do live shows look like? Do live shows even happen? How do we have them? How do we have them safely? Um, what happens when we, I mean, card subject to change is kind of like the classic thing, right? And this year, especially, where you're about to get on the plane and you get a call that your contact traced or you're tested positive or whatever the case may be. Um, so it's like a really unpredictable year, obviously, for it. Um, but kind of cool to see the way that people kind of messed with the form and found new ways to do it. Um, with, like you said, some kind of standout moments and some fun, weird things that companies were doing to kind of keep going in a year where it seemed like they wouldn't. That card subject to change analog um, is an incredible way to put it, isn't it? Because that sort of encapsulates uh the, the well it, it it is a direct contextual tone of wrestling and then is a brilliant way to sort of think about the instance of 2020 that you know uh january february you, you know not not that we're a we're a podcast about uh covid19 disease, uh, disease sure but it was sort of looming out there january february wasn't it and then march and then it's the end of the world as we know it to coin another song phrase right <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, and i didn't feel completely fine <laughs> just for the record no <laughs> it it was remarkable to see it all stop on a dime wasn't it and again this is this is not a dissection of 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 the pandemic and what happened but it was remarkable to see i i tell you one of the most contextual things and i don't want to sort of spoiler alert jump into stuff too too soon on a couple of these points but it resonates for me in a time period because March 18th mm-hmm. was supposed to have been the Dynamite show in Rochester, New York. It was, yeah. Uh, that's significant for a couple of different, different reasons. One, uh, I think we all had tickets to try and see that show in person, right? I, I actually had a, a, a work engagement, we'll say. that I was going to be out of town, so I was going to miss that show. But I know that you and Matt and some of our, our wrestling friends had tickets for that, for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, I hadn't realized you would have been out of town. That, was, uh, that, that would have been crazy. Yeah. Um, that's the start of it for me because a thousand percent um there was the show i think it was in i want to say it was in salt like the week before and that's you know sort of listening to wrestling podcasts listening to pieces now back they realize as that show finishes taping that night as dynamite finishes mm-hmm. taping that night the nba is shut down mm-hmm. everything else is coming to a grinding halt and the 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 18th of march show in rochester is 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 off the cards at that point it's off the table it's card subject to change right yeah yeah and and of course, I said a second ago, not to jump into the, the point too soon because I want to I want to spend some time on on this with you. Is it would have been the debut of Brody Lee? It was the planned debut for Matt Hardy, and some pretty special and significant things planned. You know, yeah. From a wrestling point of view, it's crazy that that show that show that didn't happen essentially is completely my anchor point to twenty twenty. And being a wrestling fan, because then it all changes from that point out. Yeah, and like you said, that's, I mean, that's not even a week out from where my job kind of told me to stop showing up, right? Because it was unsafe to be in the building. Um, so that was, that's definitely the point. Like the, and the fact that we have a specific date for a show, like you said, that is so kind of deeply personal to the two of us, between being able to go to it and being like where I live, um, is this kind of like, 
I think it's the thing that will kind of always kind of root us in 2020 and when everything started, right? Is that we'll have that moment that like, oh my God, it was that date we were supposed to be there. And like you said, it was supposed to be Brody's homecoming. Right. I'm looking back on everything from this point as being this kind of missed opportunity. Like I said, this kind of lost point um, in the year and in wrestling uh, is huge. And it's something, like I said, I think we'll always kind of be in the back of your head whenever you watch anything. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of thinking about that overarching impact then for the year, thinking about how shows change and evolve. So obviously we just touched on, mm-hmm. I-, I guess what AEW did was, uh, again, in Stealing the Thunder, this this story is told a dozen times over now by Tony Khan and so on and so forth. They saw the writing on the wall, pivoted, mm-hmm. shut down the Rochester show. Everything was shut down from that point. They they ended the the Salt Lake City record. I think it was Salt Lake City in the week before. And I guess ultimately ended up in Georgia at a facility. I think it was the Nightmare Factory. I think so. Before they landed in Jacksonville. Yeah, before before they sort of pivoted then to the Daily's place mm-hmm. and put like six weeks or had six weeks in the can of television recorded, which that's right seemed smart foresight yeah and i actually i completely forgot that they did that and so you just mentioned it that kind of will shoot eight weeks out kind of that impact model right we'll shoot eight weeks out and then we'll kind of revisit when we can yeah wwe obviously did they go straight into the performance center i think they did didn't they i think so and i think they kind of messed with that same type of model but i don't think they stuck to it it's so weird to be trying to wreck our brains for this and it wasn't even a full year ago kind of tells you what it's been like for the past 11 months one of the best quotes i hear about 2020 is it was the longest five years we ever lived you know yes a thousand percent (laughs) (laughs) yes um yeah i i don't i don't think they stayed with the filmed version as long as AEW did i think that they came back sooner but they're also already in florida at that point right because it's uh full sale Right. That's where the, the PC is. So they were less moving parts, I guess, as far as the government goes. They had the existing infrastructure, didn't they? Which is, you have to assume, is the light bulb that went on for for Tony Khan, right. the family owning the Jag Stadium and it all being part of that complex. Like, the fact that they could get there and get into Florida, uh, you, you, you've got to draw the parallels, you imagine, right? Uh, obviously, the Indies massively hit, right? Um, yeah. All of the terminations that that you know wwe cut loose a slew of people but just you know um the australian wrestler the the female wrestler i can't think of her name she had loads of bookings for um for wrestlemania weekend and of course all that shuts down uh shaz mckenzie yeah shaz mckenzie exactly and that was resonating because again you know at that point it was it was three weeks out from mania weekend which yeah love or hate mania love or hate the wwe itself the mania weekend all the events around it you know joey janela spring break yeah uh Danhausen and war uh warhorse were doing their wrestlevania i think it was yeah <laughs> i would have loved to have seen that you get WrestleCon. yeah uh, i mean it just is you, you know even if you don't go to wrestlemania even if you don't do any of the wwe events uh, just being in the city where it's happening is a an Aladdin's cave of of wrestling nerdism, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, Matt, my brother and I talked for a minute about um, whenever it's on the East Coast, just going and going to all the indie shows and then driving back to watch Mania on the network. Right? You don't even need to. I mean, I would love to be there for it, just to kind of say I've been there, but you almost don't necessarily need to 
to get your wrestling fill for that weekend. Right. And I think that's also like a great example of when everything started last March of going like, okay, so maybe three weeks from now we'll still have mania, right? Like maybe we can put stuff off until April and then we'll really like that, that kind of like, well, it should be enough time, right? They say, they say 14 days, mania is in three weeks. It should be enough time before we really kind of realized, oh, it's going to be much different for a minute. It's not just like a two week issue. Right. I, I had a, a ticket, actually. I had gotten a, a hall pass or permission to uh, to go to, uh, or to plan to go to Double or Nothing, Double or Nothing 2 in Vegas. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I was convinced that was happening and the air travel would be fine and it would all come together because, you know, that would that, that was two and a half months after. And, of course, I, t- I tell you one of the biggest reflections from the year that should remain nameless, SummerSlam was going to be in Boston. Oh. I mean... That was backyard, yeah. big show for me. Yeah. Uh, and thinking, you know, in, in, in March, okay, so Mania might get cancelled, but there's no way SummerSlam doesn't happen. Right. And I can Uber home from that one. <laughs> right, right. right? <laughs> exactly. I can sleep in my own bed after that one. There are no hotel costs associated with this particular. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and none of it played out, did it? You know, as the Indies started to resurrect themselves a little bit through the summer with these outdoor shows, the socially distant shows, you, you know, even thinking about AEW going to the Daily's Place, did you look at any sort of like one format or another and, you know, think, oh, that's a terrible idea. I wouldn't have touched that with a barge pole or say it was available. You know, something like an AEW show in the Daily's Place format had happened in Rochester. Would would you have gone? Would you still go? I mean, if you could go tomorrow, say, where where do you feel in that regard? Uh, I, I personally wouldn't um, just because I'm like... Uh, to, to pull a Harry Potter, I'm like constant vigilance. There's somebody who's in that Venn diagram with me of Harry Potter fans and wrestling fans picking <laughs> up on that. Um, so I'm like super paranoid about, about everything. Um, if we're an outdoor show, so actually, funny enough, there's um, 2CW in Syracuse, which had wild, that's the one that we saw, uh, God, the, the Bucks and... AJ Styles. I don't even remember who else was on that show. Eric Fox was on it. Yeah, Spike Dudley showed up. Like it was a wild show. It was their last show, and they were supposed to have another one in December. And we had signed up to get tickets for it, but kind of knew that the, we wouldn't. But still wanted to kind of be there for if they rescheduled. I'm hoping they reschedule for something outdoors because I would go to that in the summer, but indoors i'm i'm still iffy on and i think that's what kind of was the saving grace of a lot of the indies early on is they were able to do stuff outdoors um whether it was beyond working that show on the beach or keeping it kind of contained where icw was running those shows out of one location the the barn they called the bloodshed they were just running everything out of there they're able to kind of contain it or put it outdoors. Um, and being smaller crowds, I think it was easier to do that than it was for maybe some of those bigger promotions like uh, an AEW or a WWE. Um, so I think that's kind of the thing right now is like, how do you figure out the balance of what's, what's going to feel like you're watching wrestling with the live crowd and what's going to be safe and comfortable for people to come out to? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I was looking at, um, some of the new Japan shows that happened as well, when they sort of resumed, mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, and, and perhaps most recently and most notably was the the two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. And, uh, you know, certainly this is not my commentary of approval, disapproval, whatever, but just from an observation, they look like they crammed a shitload of people in the Tokyo Dome for that event. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, I think we've acknowledged offline from the pod, just connecting with each other, jonesing to get back to the show, get back to those moments like we touched on oh, yeah. in, in the, the first episode there of going to the indies, going to, you know, hitting the road, going to the the progress shows, the smash shows, the the days when we, you know, hit the road to Pennsylvania and went and saw the Chikara shows, like Jones in for that. I mean, it, 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 that really is a sort of subtext of why this podcast exists to give, mm-hmm. give that opportunity to, to nerd out it be in our nerd out state of wrestling. Right. <laughs> y- you know, I, I the, the, the new Japan shows, I, I definitely looked at and was like, God damn, there's a, there's a lot of people under, under that roof. And, you know, uh, again, no, no, no commentary here on my part of approval, disapproval. Otherwise, it just literally observation was they've probably got a good number of thousand people in that show. Yeah. Yeah. And then thinking about watching some of those other shows and seeing 100 people in the crowd and being uncomfortable with it happening somewhere in the middle of Indiana or wherever it was. What do you make of sort of the, uh, to switch back to WWE for a second, sort of the NXT products, the virtual fans, the screens around. Uh, I mean, I think they're certainly piping some audio in, right? Oh, yeah. But does that work? I mean, what does that look like for a visual for you as a fan? As a Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's been uh, people who have taken, funny you should say, piping in. They're using, in some cases, at least early on, audio from, like, video games. And people are matching up, like, uh, sounds on SmackDown with, like, SmackDown versus Raw on the PS3 or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, of course, they are. That's kind of brilliant. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, here I have it. Why put more work in? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I've gotten used to it. I'll say, like, it's something I don't even really notice anymore. Uh, at first, it was weird, right? Just like everything else. But at this point, I don't even know if I register. Actually, um, watching the Rumble, I didn't realize that they were kind of still almost stadium seating, where it's kind of like terrorist i guess is the best way to put it yeah um i didn't realize that until watching what was it the kevin owens match where they had the uh <laughs> that unbelievable last man standing match <laughs> um do you do you know the the macho man versus crush last man standing match the finish on that one was and it, it it's all i could think of with this roman reigns kevin owens last man standing so it was macho man versus crush and they go backstage brawler back whatever and there's a, a rig of some sort for some reason uh and savage ties up crush's legs and hoists him and the finish is supposed to be that crush is upside down tied by his ankles and he's sort of in the aisle like just before the gorilla position yeah like just just beyond yeah yeah, yeah. and it, it's supposed to be this finish like you know the guy who catches a shark right and has it strung up that's what crush is supposed to be but the knot slips so crush is just kind of like he falls and is kind of flat back on the ground with his legs tied off and has to sell that he's so ruined from this match. <laughs> and it's, it completely deflates the whole thing. And the entire time that the ref is like counting in this Royal Rumble match, I'm like, oh no, I've, I know how this story ends. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that, yeah, that was just flashing through my mind as I watched that. Um, vividly remember that him getting strung up and, it, and him sort of just slumping to the floor like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. It's hilarious. I'm sure at the time I was like, 
oh, he can't get up because he's so beat up and his legs are tied. But watching it back now, I'm like, Randy Savage should not get that particular merit badge to be ready for this match. Um, but yeah, I, didn't, I, I guess that that's how it's effective is that you don't realize kind of the scale of it. It feels kind of natural as a screen. Um, yeah, I don't know. I get why they do it. It doesn't take me out of it, but I'll be excited when there's actually people in there again. Got to give some kudos to the to the talent, to the wrestlers themselves. Need, needless to say, and, I, and I'm not trying to sort of ask kiss in a superficial or you know one dimensional way, but to go out there and be able to put on a show. I mean, I guess like you know the dynamite at, at Daly's place, there is some live fans in the audience there. You know, there's some tremendous talent in WWE. Whether you lie on the position of their booked well, not mm-hmm. booked well, or somewhere mm-hmm. in the middle, it, it's it's really put the performance. It's put wrestling on the line hasn't it in this because it's it's a participatory sport it's an interaction it's a fan interaction sure. uh entity and i and i and i try to watch like watching that kevin owens roman reigns match i think that was like the third or fourth match in a row they've kind of been jockeying back and forth for some time up to that point mm-hmm. um they're still going out there and putting it all on the line aren't they i mean kevin owens kevin steen i adore the man is just a maniac I, uh, I I did enjoy that brief spot where you know in the rumble where he's sort of like you know he's lifting up the the fork lift truck fork lift truck and he's going off the top of that. Oh yeah, uh, and all I could think back again thinking about twenty twenty in reflection was he was insistent he was going to jump off the fucking pirate ship at the uh, the Buck Stadium and he was intent that he was jumping off something for some pay per view. Yeah, and uh, with much love and respect to uh, to Kevin, he's a big fucking dude for doing that as well. A hundred percent. Well, you, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, because immediately when you said him kind of like putting in the extra effort, or uh, wrestlers in general putting in the extra effort, that was exactly what I thought of, was him coming off that pirate ship like that, right, in front of literally no one, right? That's before there was a Thunderdome concept. That was, he was doing it for, what, Corey Graves? Like, that was, like for four people in the room, he's doing that massive move that's just going to be his, one of his moments interesting to see how it all pivoted and, and changed wasn't it? it was uh you know in some regards and i don't mean to be sort of sappy about this but I, I guess there was a lot of commentary about wrestling being one of the few entities that certainly in, in the early stages of, of of last year being able to continue you know where you saw the nfl well i guess obviously they did pick up but they had to spend a lot of time didn't they as an organization prepping for the season later in the year the nba did shut down Wrestling didn't really skip a beat for the most part, right? I mean, obviously, certainly, again, we acknowledge the indies were impacted, but the weekly TVs found a way remarkably to put a product together. And uh, it was kind of nice to have that saving grace, even in its its altered fashion and even sort of with right. envy and, you know, grief at not being able to get to shows and stuff. But um, that March 18th date really, really does resonate for me. That is the point in time of this because... It was supposed to be the, the Dynamite Rochester show. Thinking about the events then, so cards and matches and, and, and stuff uh, that did go ahead, what what was some of the standout stuff that you just like, you, you know, the, the Kevin Owens-Roman Reigns match from this Rumble, this 2021 Rumble, what stood out in 2020 for you? I, I spent a lot of time, I was always very kind of like skittish around deathmatch stuff, but I spent a lot of time watching those ICW No Holds Barred shows. Um, whether it was the 4th of July show or when they did end up in the bloodshed. Um, they were just kind of 
reliable shows that you could throw on. You knew what you were getting. Um, I got kind of well-versed in some of the names of this thing like I never really explored before because they were pretty consistently running shows that were, like I said, accessible. They were fun. They, you could kind of throw them on and I don't want to say not think too hard about them, but they're just kind of there. Um, which again, sounds kind of um, dismissive of them, even though I enjoyed them. Um, but they're kind of like the the perfect show for 2020 where you're like, I just need something on right now that I'm not, I'm not worried about storyline. I don't need to hear 20 minutes of interview at the top, right? I just need something. I need guys beating the hell out of each other for a couple hours. Um, so those were most commonly the shows I threw on. Um, weirdly, because like I said, I've never really been a super deathmatch guy. I've always been kind of, I don't know the word. It's just never really been my thing. Um, but that really was, for some reason, what I kind of went into as the as twenty twenty went on. To your point on on deathmatch, and uh, you know, again, as we uh, engage and continue on this journey of for uh, uh, our wrestling nerdism, mm-hmm. extreme wrestling, deathmatch wrestling, that sort of thing, I'm sure will be something we 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 delve further into. I I sometimes think like, where does the where does the line get drawn with it? And mm-hmm. one of the best examples, I guess may sort of depict what i mean was the um was it the gcw show that was all out weekend and again i i'm glad one of us is a professional here and has made some notes and got prepared because i i'm not going to remember the name here but there was um <laughs> there was an indie show all out weekend um it was it was a midnight show jerry lawler was on on the card mm-hmm. and there was there was some match um whereby and I completely forget who it was. It was a ladder match or there was a ladder involved. Yeah. And somebody sliced their arm down all the light tubes. Yeah. It was, uh, it was G-Raver. It was G-Raver. You're absolutely right. That's exactly who it was. Yeah. And that was like, okay, like shit. That's <laughs> like, I, I don't mean to be um, naive here. Yeah. Shit happens and plans don't go according to plan and things of that nature. But yeah. Death matches that contextualizes death matches for me is like at what point does it like are you drawing the line? At what point does the yeah suspension of disbelief and just fucking brutality take over? You know? Yeah, and I'm looking up right now. I want to say it was Nick Cage or Nick Gage, not Nick Cage. Uh Nick Gage a bunch of years ago did something similar where he got shit can over the top and hit uh in a I think it was a CZW, maybe a tournament of death. Um, caught a light tube like in the armpit and slash an artery and got airlifted out. So G River is not even the first guy to almost bleed out from light tubes uh, in that. Yeah, I, the, the funny thing about that match is I, I threw that show on not realizing that's the show it was. And then I saw him come I was like, oh shit, G Raver, okay, cool. And then I saw I was like, oh, it's that match. Because he, he heads to the back pretty quickly after he gets gashed like that. And funnily enough, on that show, like Jerry Lawler is on the show, like going headfirst through doors and shit. Like <laughs> he'll be in the ring until he can't be in the ring anymore. Jerry Lawler won't, and he was quite happily like going through door panels and tables and all of that shit. Um, that same show, for sure. He almost died on Raw five years ago with that heart attack that he had. Yeah. What else stood out? So, so some of the uh, ICW death matches. Yeah. Um, beyond. Is a perennial favorite. Them doing some of those like weird, uh, kind of beach shows. I don't remember what the name of that show was. Um, is that the stuff they did in New Jersey on the? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and kind of like the so the cool thing about those was it was kind of your your kind of names you see a lot and beyond um but also it's when you first start to get some of those kind of other east coast the one like willow nightingale showing up is the one that really sticks out where i don't know if she had done any beyond work beyond that or before that um was this kind of you saw more people from the region showing up in that beyond show as opposed to just being like kind of your new england centric workers at that point i think the other thing that really kind of uh i'm gonna think of with 2020 is like the birth of the more cinematic matches like riptide wrestling um in the uk did a lot of the cinematic before that but then those kind of pre-produced which you already mentioned matt hardy with those kind of hardy compound uh the resurrection matches are yeah 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 and how influential those ended up being in 2020 weirdly enough uh as being kind of a new avenue to explore something to keep it interesting cinematic matches as a whole Mm -hmm. is it wrestling is it like what do you make of them yeah i think um well yeah that's a great question what was i just watching i just saw something the other day when i talked about wrestling being the suspension of belief versus a suspension of disbelief um i really don't remember where that came from why is that i don't know um and kind of walking that line right now of how much entertainment do I want in my sports entertainment? Right? Do I want it to be something like a movie or do I want it to be sports centered? Right. Which is kind of what the AEW thing was um, when they first came out. I'm I'm for it. I'm I've always kind of been we talked last time about um kind of coming up in that new era or new gen kind of cartoony thing. Um, if it's well done, it's interesting, and it's fun and goofy, I can set aside my expectations for brutality for a minute to watch like the the Boneyard match at Mania last year was fun and goofy and dumb, and I could enjoy it. Um, is it a, a six-star Tokyo Dome classic? No, but <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it was fun for what it was. I can't, I can't dislike it necessarily sure where does it leave the door open for anybody to come back frankly because i think that's the um that's the intriguing prospect isn't it so obviously as we uh we'll ultimately get to sort of considering what we're looking forward to in in 2021 mm-hmm. and uh I, I, i'm jumping around with the spoilers obviously on deck for 2021 the upcoming uh, aw pay-per-view mm-hmm. is sting's return to action yeah now it's it's the street fight isn't it with with darby allen and uh against team taz uh and knowing you know sting has got his injuries he took a bump on uh, dynamite last night that definitely made me gasp so i've kind of built up in my mind that this would be a cinematic match because it gives sting yeah. the room to come back it gave the undertaker the room to have a great match but then right Anybody can come back at this point, right? Why can't Hulk Hogan reappear for some more action or 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 whatever? And sure, do do we need that? Do do we need that as wrestling fans? You know, because the door is wide open. If cinematic matches are, uh, and they are now, aren't they? They are as a result of 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 the last twelve months, whatever we're at timeline wise. Do we need cinematic matches? Yeah, and I would I would hope it would be more for kind of pushing the boundaries of what it could be than trying to bring back. Like, I would rather see, like, a weird 
like the the Bray Wyatt John Cena match where Bray Wyatt dragged him through all iterations of John Cena and the like the Vince McMahon puppet where it's kind of this new exploration of what it could be um I think you're absolutely right that you could bring in some kind of people that we haven't seen in a while to kind of mess with that yeah I guess it could go a lot of different a lot of different ways that could kind of spice up what we've kind of been used to for wrestling yeah it's it's interesting and and you know initially and uh and and bear with me here because uh certainly not to be uh you know the killjoy of something fun um when i first sort of thought about the idea i was like well mm-hmm. sort of part of the charm of wrestling is it's physical live action like seeing <laughs> the matches play out in front of your eyes uh, again, what what the, the the talent, what wrestlers do to put themselves on the line to produce those matches mm-hmm. is is incredible, and that's that suspension of belief, suspension of disbelief, whatever that argument is, right? And so, I couldn't decide. And again, certainly after seeing a couple of them, I, I thought the uh, one of the highlights I definitely want to get into for twenty twenty was the Stadium Stampede match because that was just phenomenal. Those cinematic matches certainly seem to have. A rationale if if not as well a place in in the wrestling products right um but i i definitely and pun intended i wrestled with the idea of does it detract from what makes wrestling engaging because it's happening live in front of your eyes and of course the the wrestlers pay a price for that that's i mean bring the idea of people back in the stadium is a really interesting point of it because we definitely have cinematic i mean you mentioned last time that hollywood backlot brawl mm. Um, with Piper and Gold Dust, you have the Mania where they did it in three cities. Um, it kind of dies a death whenever it's not in the city, like you're in MSG and watching it on a screen. Um, what's the other one? The the Dustin Rhodes Blacktop Bully um, match where they're on a, a flatbed truck with hay bales. Yeah, these kind of like cinematic matches that you're right. Like if you're in the arena, was that do versus being at home? where you can kind of goof on it and watch it for the sake of being fun. So that's a really good point, too, is as people start to get coming back into arenas, what's that going to do to these new opportunities we have, cinematic matches? And the format, aren't they? You know, we just highlighted the stadium stampede, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go so far to say, I'm, I'm going to put my opinion on the line and say that felt like a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a fight, whereas something like the Boneyard match, which... Incidentally, I I enjoyed. It. I thought it was it was mm-hmm. funny. It was goofy. Mm-hmm. It had the spots with AJ's hands sticking out the soil. Yeah, it had you know the 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 biker riding off. And, I mean, it had all the spots, didn't it? Yeah, but didn't feel. It felt like a battle, but didn't feel like a wrestling match. Sure, you know. Oh yeah, I get that. And, and sort of those iterations of it as well. And then you've got something you just said, like the Bray Wyatt John Cena match, which was clearly that was a different flavor of a, a different flavor of it again depending on what, what flavor of ice cream you're into, to, to go back to the beginning of this conversation, <laughs> it's definitely sort of provoked some creativity in the delivery of what wrestling is, isn't it? That's, I mean, I'm, I'm really thinking now about what stays and what goes once there's more people in the crowd, right? Are, are, we, are we at a point where we just scrap these new things that we've done? Right. Because it can be less entertaining for me sitting in the War Memorial, the Blue Cross Arena, watching a screen. Or do we keep it for the sake of this is a new exploration of this art form, right? That we can kind of mess with. That's going to be 
I mean, kind of jumping ahead to what's wrestling look like in the future, that's going to be kind of an interesting thing to see is how much of that workaround we continue with once we don't have to. Right. That's, that's well said. That's brilliantly put. The bits that have evolved as a result of the circumstances, which of those bits do you keep because they've been so successful, but how much of it shifts the needle back to this is a spectator, interactive fan sport, fan event. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I want to spend a couple more seconds with that stadium stampede because just the... Um, yeah. Did it get match of the year? It got like a melts of five star. I mean, it got accolades for its uh, existence, didn't it? And um, I, I think back to the, the the spot in the the swimming pool on one of the the levels, one of the mezzanines in in the Jag Stadium, where it's uh, Santana and Ortiz and Matt Hardy, and he's going through the uh, he's going through the different versions of of Matt Hardy, mm-hmm. the one wing angel that Kenny did off the finish. You know, I mean, it was just such a good montage of, of spots. I yeah. mean it was that was a brilliant highlight. And, and and that was pretty early on. That was that was double or nothing. So it was May or whatever it was, right? Right. Yeah. And kind of actually mentioning Kenny in that, kind of interestingly like pulling from some of like the goofy stuff he did in Japan with DDT, where he's like working spots on water slides and stuff. Right. So there is kind of that background, I guess, in Japan of being not too precious and too serious about it and doing something's gonna be kind of fun yeah i don't I, yeah that's kind of an area i haven't really thought about that i'm actively working through as we're recording this right now <laughs> yeah I, I brought show notes today and you still threw me off <laughs> you know not to to switch to a more um somber tone but especially you know you sort of being in the in the, the western part of of new york state uh, going back to that March 18th, um, the Brody Lee debut. I mean, holy shit. Okay. So March 18th was supposed to have been the Rochester Dynamite. It was supposed to be the homecoming for, for John Huber, Brody Lee. Mm-hmm. The big reveal is the exalted one for the Dark Order. It doesn't happen in Rochester. It happens on the stage at Daly's place, right? Mm-hmm. And then they go into that, you know, six weeks of, of taping in, in, in Georgia. Because I, I think that's the timeline. They move the Rochester show to Daly's place. They're able to record the Daily's Play show, and then they're shut down entirely. Uh, and they move production to, to the Nightmare Factory, I think is where they ended up, put six weeks of tape together, and then eventually are able to get back to, to Jacksonville. Uh, but Brody, Brody shows up there, right? Yeah. And goes through, talk about highlights of 2020. So he has a championship match against John Moxley at uh, Double or Nothing, which I thought was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And then he gets into this storyline with Cody ultimately uh, going into all out and that sort of that home stretch around there for the TNT Championship, um, and then come December, come Christmas, uh, he passes away unexpectedly. I mean, again, I don't want to sort of take a too somber, too macabre turn here, but shit, what a talent to lose! I, I tell you, one of the things that stood out for 2020 for me. Uh, aside from those those points we just highlighted, was one the show that AEW put together as tribute to to Brody Lee was remarkable, something very special. It really was, yeah. The biggest piece that really hit me with that number one. So I mentioned last time, um, kind of my reintroduction to indie wrestling was Chikara 
uh, and seeing Bryce talking about Brody was that was the one that like really got me. Um, just because I, I I know kind of a little bit more of that history of those two persons, but then for them to book that show to be so much for his son and what would kind of be what he wanted and what would make his son feel better was really kind of an incredible thing to see too, as opposed to it just being look at some of the other tribute shows where it's um, interviews with their friends and then kind of letting their friends have matches, but then instead of that, booking it as something that would make his son feel better was something that was like really, I guess, powerful is the word um, for me in watching that. And what really made it stand out was a great tribute show. Yeah, it was beautifully put together. Again, it, it, it's odd to call it a highlight of last year, isn't it? In in, in context of it all, but right. it was it was remarkable that what what they put together. I um I had gone to a by sort of accident really because we were just in town, but I'd gone to a the twenty nineteen Clash of Champions pay per view uh, in Charlotte, hmm. and Eric Rowan was. Uh, up against Roman, I think is who he was fighting. Yeah, and uh, obviously Luke Harper, Brody Lee, had been on a on a massive hiatus. He was, you know, he'd made it pretty clear he wanted to move on. Uh, I guess as the story allegedly goes, Vince was making red out of his contract, and right. um, it was the it was the Clash of Champions show where he made his surprise reappearance. He popped straight up. Uh, and that was remarkable. Again, just you know, clutching at things to say, "Oh wow, I'm glad I saw that." That was essentially Brody's last days with WWE. I mean, he had a little bit of a run for a couple of weeks on the weeklies, but then his contract was done, and he rode out, and he did his ninety days or whatever you know happens from the point your contract finishes. And there he was on the on, on the March debut as the exalted one. But um, you know, just knowing that he is a upstate New York, Western New Yorker, local lad. It was remarkable. I, I I was trying to think, and again, I, I'll say for repetition, not to create a somber, you know, macabre point. The last time I, even in my sort of lapsed period as a wrestling fan, can think of a reaction to that extent, where fans, talent, agents, productions alike, just the outpouring. It felt the last time to that extent, and this is this is not to be dismissive of any of the other losses that that have happened across you know wrestling history. Uh, and talking about the Royal Rumble, there was there was a number of people. You know, there was Pat Patterson around that period, but the the reaction felt like Eddie Guerrero to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a fair parallel to draw, but it was like shit. This this guy touched everyone and anything he came in contact with. You know, yeah, and nobody had a bad word to say about him. Like every single story was about what a what a great guy he was. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, like Owen Hart too. Same deal. Sure, where it's just like nothing but love for him and like i i saw him like you said where he had that kind of long hiatus he was a i saw a, a house show here during the hiatus he came out and i damn near stood up on my seat because <laughs> i was so excited like like hometown boy done good right like here he is i saw him once at the grocery store with his kids and it was like a combination of being starstruck and like not wanting to bother him when he was with his kids, but like his his was one that was especially bad personally. Um with those like you mentioned like Eddie and and like I said Owen being the other two, but being a guy that was so rooted to where I live, right? And 
even with Big E donating his proceeds of selling his Rumble gear to a local uh, charity, right? Food Link in Rochester. Right. Like all of that just hits so close to home that it's, it was, it was, it was a really, really bad one to kind of um, see happen. Yeah. So I, it's, it's, it's definitely going to leave a hole in um, wrestling in general. And I think especially in Rochester and upstate wrestling, that's going to be a legacy that's going to be around forever. You know? Yeah. I want to acknowledge what you said about sort of the show as well, sort of that they wanted to put together the memorial show that's something that Brody Jr., negative one, uh, go back and see, you know, in 10 years' time and see this 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 uh, celebration. I mean, it was it was a really well put together show. Got to acknowledge, again, I just touched on his uh, John Moxley match, the Cody storyline, just to pick out two standout moments in the Cody feud, sort of the initial beatdown, the initial win to win the TNT Championship. It was just a total squash match, which, you know, Cody is a formidable opponent, isn't he? Right. Uh, and he beat the living shit out of Cody in the first match. And, yeah. you know, the um, the character, the Mr. Brody Lee, the sheer arrogance of just sort of, yeah, pinning him even without the leg raise. Yeah, was again we touched touched on this in the in our first episode, didn't we? Like the power of storytelling that can happen between the the ropes. If that stage, the Brody character, if he wasn't already amplified to be this sort of evil overlord, you know, sort of gangster mob boss, where you know the the persona, of the characterization, that was that was demonstrable control, wasn't it? Yeah, and something so minor, right? Like. Just not not hooking a leg makes him look like such a monster. And like you said, like such an arrogant monster. Like mm. he is absolutely in control. And he is this unstoppable force. And of course the Dark Order is like falling behind him. And you get all that from not hooking a leg. Right. It's 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 incredible. And then the the nightmare family beatdown that happens post-match. Uh, you know, Anna Jay sort of completely leathers Brandy. Dustin gets clobbered. They're, they're, it's just a complete beatdown, isn't it? To then, essentially, the rematch, the dog collar match, which was just vicious. Oh, yeah. They were standout moments. I mean, that was, again, to reflect on Brody, to reflect on John Huber. Brilliant standout moments for 2020. You know, I know, you know, like the books versus uh, Hangman and Kenny, which was revolution, I think, at the beginning of the year, you know, kind of got match of the year from Meltzer's point of view. But in the context of the last year, in its full stride, and, and not just because of the circumstances and the, the sadness of his loss, but some of the vivid standout moments are the Dark Order becoming a fully flourished, fully fledged idea than just Eva Luno and, and Stu Grayson sort of, you know, threatening that the Exalted One's going to arrive for weeks on end and weeks on end, and uh, Christopher Daniels coming out and faking it, you know. Brody arrives, and they're off to the races, aren't they, as a faction? And it really hits its stride in the the Cody story. I mean, it's certainly it's set up in the right. in the Moxley match and stuff, but he really hits its stride then. And it standout moments for me for 2020, for sure. Yeah. So let's uh, switch gears to a lighter-hearted sort of look at 2021. So, you know, again, this is this is not a podcast about the COVID-19 situation, but there's vaccines on the horizons. There's, you know, spring in the air when it stops fucking snowing, at least. 
we're in 2021. We can we can talk about 2021 because it's going to be a good year. <laughs> what do you think? What's what's in what's in store for 2021? And maybe I've sown the seeds for that, sort of throwing you off base with uh, what bits do we keep, what bits do we throw away? Sure. So I have again in my show notes, I got four things and one person that I'm like really keeping my eye on in 2021. Um, and two, actually, they all kind of have to do with what I've been talking about, but two, I think are kind of immediately, um, AEW related. Um, one, I decide what order I want to do it in. Let's go with this. Um, I think that 2021 might be kind of where we see like the rise of the death match once again. Um, and if we had recorded this on Tuesday instead of Thursday, this would be incredibly prescient given uh, the announcement of Kenny of the exploding barbed wire match, this like weird FMW thing um, that they're banning about. But if you look at Mania Weekend, you have GCW running shows, you have uh, ICW No Holds Bar running shows, you have uh, No Peace Underground running shows, you got CZW still around, and that's not even mentioning like Japanese deathmatch wrestling, that's not mes- mentioning uh, Zona 23 in Mexico, which is literally in a junkyard um, where people are smashing. Like, I saw a clip, I don't know, in some point last year of a, a rowdy fan getting a light tube across the head. Right? Like, <laughs> that level of deathmatch wrestling. Um, so I think that is something we're going to kind of see, maybe not to the extremes like we talked about earlier, uh, but in a similar way that we saw kind of hardcore wrestling come about in the late 90s. I'm curious if we're going to see kind of some of that more, I guess, normalization of some of that deathmatch stuff coming up in 2021. So that's, that's my first one. Yeah. It's going to be an exciting prospect, that, because again, thinking about matches and match types and sort of match concepts that will elevate wrestling, elevate in the sense of put it back into the fan hands, back into the, the fan interaction, having those tight matches. Uh, are going to be jaw dropping, aren't they? That's going to bring fans back to see that. And again, I think we just acknowledged uh, through this conversation. There's a line for me. I can get a little squeamish about it at a point, mm-hmm. but um, that's a that's a nice big showboat, isn't it, to get fans back in seats? You know, if it goes that way. Yeah, and I just read today. I think it was today. Um, AW was talking about signing Nick Gage before he got hurt who's, you know, the king of this shit, right? Like, we've talked deathmatch. Nick Gage is one of the guys. Um, There's a natural assimilation to some extent there, isn't it? Because you've got Joey Janela that's into into that, shall we say. Mm-hmm. You've got Darby, who is, you know, prone to wanting to... Yeah. I think he's, he's, he's definitely got a strong desire to snap his neck before his 30th birthday. I think it's Darby's... <laughs> uh, Darby's MO. So there's an assimilation there, isn't it? You know, you've had that sort of feud. You just mentioned it. And it looks like it's coming back for another goal between Mox and, and, and Kenny. Yeah. And and Luther being in the mix too. And Luther, of course, right. Yeah, yeah. of course. That's an interesting one. Yeah. And I don't know if we'll get to like the uh Casanova Valentine plastic bag over the head on national TV, but we might get to kind of these kind of I mean the exploiting Bardwire Deathmatch is a perfect kind of entry point for that. Because it's still kind of cartoony. Kenny, Kenny and Mox landed themselves in hot water, didn't they, uh, in 2019 with the uh, lights out and sanctioned match with the, um, it was Baltimore, so it must have been full gear, the, the uh, 
the Baltimore Sports Commission because of the the extent that they went to in that in that match. Um, so there 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 doesn't seem to be a shyness to push to the line, does they on on national television? And the amount of bloodshed in that Cody Dustin match that you mentioned last time, right? Like they're not shy to like get some red on the screen. Yeah. Um, what else was on your um? hopes or aspirations to see for, for wrestling for 2021. Yeah, so the other thing I'm super interested in is uh, we've seen AW on Impact, we've seen them on, we've seen New Japan kind of come in. Um, I just saw what, ROH. Um, Private Party talking about going against Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham. Uh, then Impact has a relationship with AAA in Mexico, so it's kind of of conglomerate of these different companies coming together and stuff that 10 years ago would have been like beyond ridiculous fantasy booking potentially happening in 2021 is super interesting and super exciting to me this single-handedly has caught my attention most expressly in, in the last few weeks because it's almost like the walls have come down. Uh, the sharks and the jets are actually playing together, <laughs> <laughs> and it's very odd, you know. And I, I just watched the Impact show from this past Tuesday, so again to date stamp this recording, Thin Juice were on against uh, yeah. the, the Reno um, Reno Scum Reno Scum, yeah, right. yeah. Um, and, and of course, needless to say, natural to say. The match was just kind of a, a setup to then having an interaction with with the Good Brothers. Sorry, spoilers yeah. if you if you're not seen this already. It was pretty obvious what it was designed to do is sure. to get them in the same building as as some uh, former New Japan co-workers colleagues, right? But shit, if you've got and of course AEW have got the relationship with with R as well, don't they? Because of the the Lucha Brothers. I think Kenny is still the AAA champion, right? Could be, yeah. Did he drop it? I don't know. That's not that's not really my wheelhouse. A AAA, I'm kind of in the dark about. I only have caught bits in the their um their flagship pay per view, Triple Mania. I think it's called. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I I think Kenny defended it successfully again. Just sort of. October, November, whenever it falls, I, I think he's still the AAA champion. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, which I definitely just pulled up, you are correct. So there's a mass. I mean, what is it like? It's it's like all of these like strange siblings have all decided that they should kiss and make up. Yeah. So now you're gonna have this like super faction. I guess what I was trying to spend time, and I don't mean to. I mean, some of some of my wrestling fan history is just so WWF centric. Sure. If you're if you're Vince at this point, bear with me and, and and role play some speculation with me here for a second. If you're Vince sat watching New Japan, AEW, Impact, AAA come together, are you shitting yourself at this point? You have to be right because it's it's almost like a, a jump back to like almost your territory days, right? Where you got all these different like your AEW champion is now going to um, Impact. Like your Florida champion used to go to Texas, right? So Vince's solution back then was just like buy up everything you can, which by the way, kind of what's happening <laughs> um, as far as indies go, right? But you have to be. You've you've been here before. You know the power of these different groups kind of working together. Um but it's on I, I found it's it feels not that it was around for the territory days, but it feels different. 
than what I've always kind of heard the Territory Days were like. Yeah. Right? Because it is, if to go back to that, if you're the, the Florida champion in Texas, you're probably not dropping your title in Texas, right? Because you're the Florida champion. You're just there as like the, the draw against the Texas champion. But could you be, could private party win the impact titles? Maybe, right? Like that's a distinct possibility to me right now. And that might be being naive because it's new, or it might be like a real thing that Vince would have to worry about, that he's kind of an island at this point. And it did for a, a, a minute of thinking about it as well in my brain, and I don't mean to be uh, reveling in the uh, reveling in it. I guess not, not that I've got you know any, any stake from a business or administration and in any of these companies, but <laughs> you know it's it's funny. I, I thought about it in the territory sense that what goes around comes around. Karma, whatever that you know, Vince thirty years ago, uh, forty years ago, ate up all the territories. You've now got. They're essentially territories, right? I mean, that is what they are, that have now banded together to take down Goliath, to use a term, right? Sure, yeah. If that's that's what's happening. You know, it felt interesting when it was sort of AEW and Impact sort of jockeying with each other. There's there's been the overlap with with AAA, and I, I don't know, maybe that was just my point in time, point in fandom at that time. That didn't feel as... Uh, I'll use the word threatening. Sure. You start to layer in the other pieces. You start to see the NWA, which again is is a pretty small organization in context, but you see the NWA championship end up in AEW TV. You see the NWA Women's Championship change hands on AEW TV. Yeah. Now the ultimate wall has come down, and New Japan is in the game. Right. And there's talk of a Carter. You know, I guess Meltzer allegedly let slip that a Carter is going to appear on AEW television if that happens you've got to be wanting to be a fly on the wall in the conference room at titan towers and seeing what vince and triple h are, are, what are they going to do to call and answer that you know right yeah and especially since there's been rumors since nxt uk that that was kind of the uh i guess pilot program to start like an nxt japan to go up against njpw and now that seems less likely right because there's more stability to stay in new japan because you can come to the u.s and you're it's it's not jeff jarrett at impact anymore who's gonna put you in some weird to go back to okada some weird like green hornet gimmick right like <laughs> you can you can establish a character and come right. here and work that um yeah it's it's that's gonna be a big thing for that I'm really interested in watching how it develops. And the wild thing is, we're like a month into that development, right? Like that's a brand new thing that we're at the forefront. And it keeps dropping in a, in a, in a very early stage of this, you're right, in this early stage of development, the nuggets that have been dropped uh, are huge. So as the story, the, the, you know, the progression of this, grows and escalates and amplifies holy shit i i am definitely not of the ilk that you you have to only subscribe to one promotion to enjoy wrestling i mean you know perhaps sort of to contradict what i what i said uh in our first episode that went back when i was a kid i i didn't really follow wcw that was more just the product didn't didn't speak to me it wasn't the pageantry it wasn't the glitz those things that we talked about 
but I, I, I didn't then and, and certainly now don't feel like yeah, you can only enjoy wrestling if you watch WWE. You can only, you know, it's wrestling as, as fandom, right? But I I would be very, very interested to see how WWE, who have been, needless to say, the giants at the top of the mountain, swatting everybody down that tried to come up or eating them alive as they, if they got high enough up the mountain, you know, if they got to the summit. Now there's a force to be reckoned with, and it, when it when it peppered in the new Japan stuff, I was like, "Oh, yeah, I definitely agree." Like, I it's just it's it's wild to see so many uh, kind of disparate groups all of a sudden being potentially one thing, right? And not knowing who's really kind of the like you you can't necessarily say that AEW is leading the charge and like Cody is the head of this, right? Because we don't know what the deal is between each of them so i have no idea where it could head because i have no idea who is the head of it you know what i mean which is exciting yeah it's tough to pinpoint who the conductor or the orchestrator or whatever it is right there's just no right uh there's no visible line in it yet you know yeah yeah so i'm excited for that development yeah yeah big time that that's that's put twenty twenty one on a on a big stage for me for uh, for where does where does wrestling now go and hopefully that sort of again segueing into you're going to be able to get fans back in some regard uh, you know whether it's kind of the outdoor shows whether it's sort of like these you know shows in the stadium because I guess I guess Mania is going to go down in Tampa this year it is going to go down at Raymond James yeah it's going to be like a you know whatever it is ten fifteen percent capacity yeah you know it seems to be heading in that direction doesn't it where where does all of this shake out it, it's it's starting to get exciting dream match that you want to see you know for 2021 given the current state of stories or rosters or i mean obviously like any of those rematches of kenny omega right in new japan so we got him against okada or if uh, tanahashi ends up at billy's place <laughs> like any of those um, now you're just teasing. Now I'm like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a wild thing, right? Like that's like a distinct possibility right now. Yeah, it's on the table, right? Yeah, and we talked a little bit last time about um, kind of the rebirth of tag team wrestling. But you look at like any combination of, I mean, Young Bucks, Vorder, uh, Young Bucks versus Motor City Machine Guns could potentially happen. Which I probably like. I'm almost certain happened because when the Bucks were Generation Me in Impact, I'm sure that they had at least one match. Um, but yeah, Private Party versus the Machine Guns. Um, I, I mean, there's just so many like distinct combinations. I'm trying to think of. Um, I mean, could you see ZSJ Josh Alexander, right? Like those type of like technical matches that you might have seen years ago on in like in a weird smash canadian show right where they could both show up there's so many combinations uh and then again kind of the death matchy stuff uh who could you see kind of as as brawling uh was it wardlow versus jeff cobb and like a like a boss fight right like there's endless possibilities right now of where that could end up yeah you know, to, to give a, a nod again and, and to once again date stamp, time stamp this, this, uh, the, the recording of this, the, the nod back to that takeover 
uh, from last weekend, the Pete Dunne Finn Below match. Pete Dunne has achieved great things, and he's he's still what twenty seven years old. Is that is that what we realized? Yeah, and that match was brilliant from Takeover. Uh, so I, I I've got to think there's there's good things in store and a nod for somebody like Pete Dunne, which. I'm kind of excited about as well for the reason that was on display at TakeOver, which is that uber technical, uber, you know, just absolute wrestling match. Oh, yeah. he's He's got to be destined for big things this year, right? At this point in his career. I would hope. And, well, like I said earlier when we talked about it, um, he's still five, six, seven years out from his prime. Like, he's not even... Yeah, that's crazy. Right? Um yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to see where he goes. I, like I said, when we talked before, I saw my King of Trios in 2014, and I never thought he would be what he is now. Um, so what the next seven years holds for him, I can't even imagine. Yeah. To hold you uh, to your show notes, because you mentioned you had a person <laughs> yeah. listed on your show notes. Who was, who was the one person? Still Life with Apricots and Pears. Do you know Still Life? No. Okay, so clue me into this. Yeah, so Still Life started as... Um, so, okay, we're going like way back in Chikara. So there was a, a team that was uh, Race Jackson and Hype Rockwell. And Race Jackson, who's also Logan Easton LaRue, for those of you who are like trying to connect all the dots of who's who on the Indies, same guy. <laughs> um, so he lost and had to put on a mask. Because his thing was he was young and handsome, and he was like the vain kind of model Rick Martel type gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, and put on the mask and became Blank. And Blank was this kind of uh, still working the Blank gimmick, actually, but this like super pretentious art kind of thing. And had two uh, two pieces that he introduced. One was I think Ursa Minor in the Night Sky who's kind of disappeared, and then Still Life with Apricots and Pears. And Blank kind of works both of those, but Still Life has really taken off as this kind of, like, dark horse figure of, she's great. Um, She just worked worked Camp Leapfrog in a main event against Effie that's getting rid of a lot. but has just overall really started popping up on shows as being someone to look out for comes from the I'm just double checking because full disclosure started out. Okay. I just want to make sure I have her pronouns correct. Um, Cause when she started, she was going the, they she's now she, her. Um, so just want to make sure I'm, I'm not misgendering her as I'm speaking her up right now comes from the, um, Wrestle Factory in Chikara, so it does that kind of technical lucha um, kind of style. She's super fun to watch, and I've just seen her really kind of get a lot of um, support, a lot of really great matches, a lot of really great write-ups. So I think Still Life with Apricots and Pears is going to be something that we're going to see uh, kind of gain some momentum. This is this is the beauty of this uh, podcast. I'm going to have to check out Still Life and Apricot with Pears because if for nothing else, that is a brilliant name uh, for both of those. Um, and she has incredible merch. Yeah. Pushes it as like, this piece only exists for 50 pressings. Like those like really kind of like <laughs> limited edition. We'll never run this color again. Like her, her, her merch is great. Yeah. That's awesome. On top of everything else, 
yeah. Being the uh, consumer glutton that I am, <laughs> got a good gimmick table. A- a- again, reflecting uh, once again from the last conversation and hearing the stories of uh, you, uh, you and Matt, you lucky bastards, uh, chatting up the young books at the gimmick table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I shall not lose sight of that. Uh, actually, that's a. I, I do want to give a, a self-indulgent nod to my interaction with Bryce Remsberg at the Chikara show that we went to. I, and, and and again, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, right? We're talking about reflections and forecasts. I had no idea who Bryce was. I remember you and Matt fanning all about this referee <laughs> and just being like going up to the table. And I was I was wearing um uh or regrettably now or unfortunately now uh i was wearing a jack gallagher t-shirt at the time and he commented on my jack gallagher t-shirt and the moment was completely lost on me at that point in time because i had no idea who bryce remsberg was and and you know now look at now look at the state of affairs yeah um so the majesty of the merch table shall never be lost on me again yeah (laughs) final thoughts on the 2021 forecasting yeah, so I think with uh, everything we're seeing, with the questions of where AW and all of their affiliates, I guess is the word, are going, where WWE might head to kind of deal with that, and we're seeing more more people being snapped up by the indies, I'm really excited this year to see who uh, kind of become the standouts of the indies, uh, kind of stepping up to take the place of people who are being signed. I've seen um, it's either, it might be Kevin Blackwood today talking about don't ask what are the indies going to do now that these people are being signed, but keep an eye on what they do now that people are being signed. Um, so that I'm really excited to see too is who we see more of this year and who become the people we keep an eye on as 2021. I think that's a tremendous thought again because um, the indies being the lifeblood, right? It's the lifeblood. There's something special about the intimacy of those venues, the caliber of the talent, the experience you can have. I mean, that's that was the loss of 2020 for me is not being able to go to those beyond shows or like the limitless shows in Maine for me, or maybe like the ESW shows or the uh, like the Syracuse shows. Yeah. There's something very special about that, and for me, that was where I was starting to absorb who's who, who's what. I think we've lost touch with those elements because you've not been able to go to those shows. I, I'm desperate to see the Indies resurrect and then to see, that's so well said, who the faces become now, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm overall positive for professional wrestling in 2021. There's a lot of choice and a lot to consume to come full circle, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we we threatened at the beginning, didn't we? There was a lot of surface to scratch, and I'm not sure we uh, we took more than a couple layers off because... 20, 2020 was uh, it was was an intense year from all of the things that happened globally, but then what it what it did for wrestling. But that was that was kind of a that was kind of a neat stroll down nostalgia lane there for last year, wasn't it? Yeah, and definitely some stuff that like I didn't really consider until we started talking about it tonight. So that was great to kind of dig into. Yeah, nerding out on wrestling as we do. Maybe it's the mono state wrestling podcast. <laughs> um, it's just all nerdism. Yeah. <laughs> That said, probably time to uh, to acknowledge that the bell is ringing. You want to give a shout out to our socials where folks can uh, weigh in on the conversation? Yeah, so on Twitter, we are at ISWrestlePod. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as ISWPMordecai. Um, and also shout out to Alien Trilogy for the use of their song Michinoku Driver as our theme for the ISW Interstate Wrestling Podcast. Appreciate all the listens and uh, you weighing in on the conversation. Take care, folks.
See you next time. I'll let you know, Drive Driver! <laughs>